Welcome to the Tweet Trends Podcast. Hey, Yvette, what's trending today? Hey, I'm Yvette. Hey, girl. And you are tuned into Tweet Trends. It's the quickest way to find out what's trending today. Today, I have the first in a multi-episode series from a young lady. Her name is Anastasia Rudis. She's Ukrainian. She's a rest coach and also a travel planning magician. Seriously, guys, she can do a lot with two hours. So this first episode is all about being from Ukraine and how the whole situation between Ukraine and Russia has affected her um, being here in the United States. Without further ado, let's get started. You mentioned that I'm from Ukraine, I'm Ukrainian, and I live in San Francisco, California. I lived here for almost eight years this fall. I moved in 2014 to follow my heart. I got married uh, to an American. And it was funny because a few years before that, I was like, well, I would never marry a guy to move to a different country because that's just lame. Like, and then I meet this guy and he's like, well, I'm from San Francisco and yes, I'm in Ukraine. And would you be potentially maybe interested in, you know, exploring that? And I was like, oh, okay. San Francisco doesn't sound too bad. So yes. But when I moved, you know, one of the things that uh, was really hard for me, aside just kind of shifting my whole life completely. Mm-hmm. and moving continents and leaving everything and packing it into one suit that's a different suitcase that's a different story altogether but i moved at a time where it might shock some of people who are listening but the war in ukraine which is still going on it's actually hundreds day today it's 100 days of war in my home country it actually started not in february of 2022 it started in 2014 it started actually at the late 2013 when Ukrainians decided to say that they are against a certain choice that our politicians were making. And in Ukraine, kind of like in the US, you have the right to say because it's a democratic country and you can just stand up and you have a demonstration. And it's usually expected to be peaceful. Like you show up, you protest, you say, let's do something. People ignore you and everyone moves on, right? Like. <laughs> It was just the way of life for our younger country. We had by that time around 25 years uh, ish of kind of independence of recent independence from the USSR. But what happened then, what happened in January of 2014 is that our neighbor, our wonderful neighbor, Mm. Putin, (laughs) who was still at like, how many presidents have we had in the last eight years? Enough, right? Putin had been in power over 25 years. So he has been in power then. Uh, The president in Ukraine, while elected by the people, was still kind of a puppet and a follower of Putin. So he was looking towards Putin for guidance and for things. How Putin deals with public uprising, he usually squashes it down and people are scared, so they don't do that. So he just was like, oh, you have this thing. Well, that's just what you do with this, right? You just come up with a few military, I don't know, police guys. They show up the sticks and everyone runs away because that's how Russians act in Russia because that's what they're used to. They're used to be scared. They're used to be being like, well, there's nothing I can do type thing. And so they would rather kind of 
like right now there are footages of you know a crowd running away and then there's just one guy out like after that was one stick i'm like really this is what you're running from <laughs> we're like stopping tanks with our hands and so what happened in january of 2014 and then in february when the actual war started is that putin saw that we didn't back down because for us mm. killing and shooting at innocent people and and taking innocent lives is not okay for us for ukrainians it has always been like we would be chill and not touching anyone when it's like just whatever, you know, someone stealing, there is corruption, sure, there is this, there is that. But when it's like in your face, when we just wanted to protest, you know, right. it started, it got bloody. And so over the weekend, 500,000 people rose up. We have a decently big country. Ukraine might seem small. It, it is 80% of taxes. Like, Texas is big. Ukraine is <laughs> right. the biggest European country by territory. We might okay. not be the biggest by the population. We have around 42 million ish right now. But like 500,000 is a huge number. It's a big number to show up and tell that, hey, this is not okay. Right. So we started then, but it was kind of then like a wake up call for the nation. Because what you're seeing right now, our army being so powerful in holding off, holding on and kind of pushing back at this point, thank God, it didn't exist eight years ago. We didn't have an army. It was a very lame excuse of an army that everyone hated and no one wanted to get into. But the war started then because then Putin started being like, oh, let me go take pieces. So that's when he occupied Crimea, and then he started occupying the eastern uh, parts of Ukraine that were under his control in a way for eight years. So the war didn't okay. start this year. The active phase of war started in February, yes. And it was super, super hard and tough on me personally, because while I'm living here with my husband and my three-year-old, I have a ton of family. I grew up in Ukraine. I have a ton of friends. I I grew up all over the country. Like I've been to all, all the beautiful places, maybe not all of all of them, but to many of them and to know the different parts of Ukraine. When, when it all started, I, I didn't really know, like I didn't have words. I didn't have anything to say. I was in complete shock. And in a way, that's how I got to where I am right now. The happy green, the happy green <laughs> colored person I am, which sounds ridiculous because how can I be happy when there is war going on, right? How can I be uh, smiling when there is war going on? How can I be raising a child when there are shootings? Yes, there is place for everything. And unfortunately, it's the reality we're in, but we also have a choice. So I, I feel like my mind just blew up when you said how far back this yes. situation has gone. But so that makes me feel some type of way about the news system here in the United States, because although it was a while ago, I can't say that I recall hearing them say anything about anything happening over there like that, to then know that now February wasn't the start. It was just ramped up until it got there. Um, was it, is it difficult for you to watch the news here? So uh, that's one of kind of my self-care tools is that mm. I don't watch the news here because 
for two reasons. First of all, uh, knowing the language back in Ukraine, I actually watch the news from the land, like from the source directly. Right. So I, I I would listen to the President Zelensky's newscasts and his Telegram chat is actually super good because they do translations, they do the subtitles. So anyone interested can find like his official channel and get the like get the news because I get you that it's like the news here. You know, yes, you can get Fox versus CNN, right? And you can get some kind of <laughs> differentiation, but it's still, you know, we gave, uh, so my parents have been here when the war broke out in February. They were mm. visiting me and my family. Uh, they obviously are still staying here right. in June. Uh, we've been blessed with help around and uh, we've been to a couple of places and we, we actually gave a couple of interviews where my parents shared their story. And one of the interviewers, he actually asked me, like, what's the difference, you know, between the news that you hear and the news that we see in the U.S.? And I was like, well, and it was at the time, it was still March. So it was kind of still unclear who's going where and can we win? And it was obviously we're in better shape than the first few days. Mm -hmm. But it was still mind-blowingly scary and uh, horrible and, and super, super active, right? And every morning... I started where like checking in on my friends to the point of I might not be sending everyone a text, but I'll be looking, you know, how when you're in WhatsApp or something, you can see when the person was online last. You're right. like, okay, okay, they've been online today. So they are still safe. You know, they still have reception. They still have all the things. And it was one of the times when President Zelensky addressed the U.S. Congress. And mm-hmm. there was this whole footage of that, right? And any one of you listen, like viewers and listeners can find it online, like just uh, to see that. So I asked my interviewer, I was like, did you see Zelensky's address? I was like, did you see, uh, and how do you think what you saw that he was showing? Because he was also showing some footages from what is happening in Ukraine realistically versus what the news might be filtering through, right? Right. And so he gave a little bit of an analysis and the way he described it, he's like, the US news agencies are trying to obviously tone it down they're also not interested in depicting as much the, the casualties, like the, the, the human suffering they don't want to show. Like mm-hmm. they would be okay showing the building destructions, you know, the blowings, the things. But when it comes to showing, excuse me, killed kids, because that's one of the things we do, we're like, we're counting every freaking child that has been killed, that mm-hmm. has been maimed by this completely useless show of aggression by mm. a neighbor that wasn't that wasn't really provoked by us other than we exist like because right. we exist because we have a history because we actually have way more history than our neighbor our neighbor decided that we don't belong you know we mm-hmm. we, we never belonged the whole history of russia and i'm not going to go into that but the whole history of russia has been of suppressing ukraine and when people tell me like Am I like I'm white? Yes, I'm white. I'm privileged from that perspective. But have I known suppression? Yes. Like my language have been suppressed. My thing, like the, the literature that I've been around have been suppressed. And I've been told that it's like it's a horrible thing. It shouldn't exist. It's just a fluke of imagination of some crazy person, you know, this and that. Right. And so when when these people show up and and you told about it, you're like, was it unprovoked? It was unprovoked from our perspective, other than we exist, right? But the world saw that it was ramping up. 
The world saw mm -hmm. when when eight years ago, all of the things that happened happened. You know what the world did? The world was like, oh my God, we're so concerned. I was like, what, what? Say what? We get parts of our country annexed. So in 1994, Ukraine deliberately gave away the nuclear weapons. We had nuclear weapons. Being mm, part of mm -hmm. the USSR, being one of the biggest parts of the USSR, we had a lot of nuclear power and we gave it away intentionally because we got what's called the Budapest Memorandum signed by US, UK and Russia that our independence and sovereignty will be protected. Look how that is working out. Wow. Look how magically this is working out. So I don't want don't want to bash on the US, right? Because we're getting a lot of help now while it's a hundred state. But on the first day when the war started, I went because I'm an American citizen by now. Like I, mm -hmm. I hold dual citizenship. And when Biden showed up in his first conference, I wanted to find a hammer and just knock him on the head. Because the way he was talking about it, he's like, well, you know, we're very concerned. Yes, sure. I, 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 no, no, no. This is not a good way to deal with. I was like, what? Like, the U.S. embassies have been screaming at the U.S. nationals living in Ukraine mm -hmm. to leave Ukraine since January or since December. They were like almost in caps lock text screaming like, leave. People can find the text. It was almost to the point leave because we won't be able to help you. So you have enough intelligence that your embassies are issuing that warning, that they're saying that, hey, it's not the way, like, get out. We would not be able to help you. And at the same time, your president, our president comes out and there, he's like, well, yeah, we're in, well, we'll see how the sanctions work, maybe in a month or so. I'm like, what month? What are you talking about? We're a right. tiny country. What, like, compared to Russia, we are tiny. Compared to right. what Russia claimed they are, right? We are tiny. We would not be able to hold that month. Like we needed action last month. We needed preemptive action. But everyone was like, well, we can't do preemptive action because what if they don't attack? I'm like, great. So now we're just like, at some point, President Zelensky asked the, the bigger society, the bigger politicians. He was like, so how many dead Ukrainians would it take for you to take this seriously, for you to really start taking action, because at least by then we'll have like a measure, you know, you want your goal to be smart, right? You want it measurable. You'd be like, okay, if you need a hundred thousand, then we'll wait until we reach that, for example, right? I'm, right. I, I'm not trying to be crude, but it's like, when you're telling me, oh, the scare of a chemical attack is not good enough to start being more more specific the scare of mm -hmm. this is not good enough and here i go to rallies and what i hear from some of the americans they're like well yeah i understand that it's bad but i'm scared of the like we we shouldn't provide weapons because then there will be nuclear war i'm like there will be nuclear war if putin is crazy enough and people around him crazy enough whether you provide new weapons or not right there will right. also be a different perspective that says us who claims to be this super global power is kind of deflated and kind of not really taking a stance of, the, of saving the democratic world. How do you think China is looking at us? China is like, hmm, interesting. Are they really, are they, like China is big and China is watching. Right, yeah. And while China is cautious, but China is watching all the time, right? And when US is kind of like, 
Guess what China is noting? That maybe they should like side out with Russia. Okay, they they didn't fully yet, but they haven't closed off like the the flight space or all the Arab countries. The Arab countries Mm. are watching, right? So many things have been happening since last eight years. So yes, when, when the war broke out in February, it was the most unimaginable thing in my life personally, because I felt so guilty that at some point, probably a week or so before it happened, I was talking to my friend who lives in DC and her mom is in Ukraine. She just recently got her out safely. uh, Thank God. But she called me and I'm kind of known for keeping up with the news a little bit more, but I was trying to even, you know, self-care phase it out, like not listen to as much news because there has always been talk and yes it started ramping up but it didn't like like you could not comprehend right it just doesn't land in your head that someone can just wake up and start the war in a neighboring country out of the blue right and she was like should i get my mama and with the information that i had i was like i don't think so i think she's fine when the war broke i was actually visiting my friend that same friend Mm -hmm. And I felt so guilty. That I felt so guilty because a week before she would have been on a plane out to the U.S. Mm-hmm. or anywhere else. She would not be sitting scared every day. I mean, yes, it was her decision. Of course, I'm not the decision maker in her right. choice. But right. for a long time, I was like, if I said something else, if I knew something else, right, if I thought something else. Because I saw the same warning signs everyone else did. And obviously, I didn't have the intelligence that the politicians have. And I was like, I told her, no, you are fine. Mm-hmm. And on top of the whole guilt of me being alive, me personally being alive, me being here, my parents being here, I was blessed that my parents were here. But my right. brother is in Kiev, my grandma is in Odessa, my friends are spread out across the country, you know, when they bomb certain cities like that I was born in or that I visited, and I'm just sitting here being fine. Mm -hmm. That feeling, professionals call it survivor's guilt. It's a horrible choice. It's a horrible thing. And what I realized at that time is that I actually carried that survivor's guilt for eight years. Because, Because when I moved, I didn't move because the war in Ukraine broke up. Like where I was, it was fine. Like the first initial unrest kind of settled down. It moved into the east and south where the the territories were being occupied, right? So there was still like, that was going on. But because of how my life was evolving, I moved. Right. And I was there and I didn't like intentionally even name it up until a really, really long time, almost in 2020, when I finally hired the therapist. The therapist I hired because it was COVID and all the things were changing and all the the other things. But what I realized is that I was carrying that guilt all these years. Thanks for listening. The next episode that we have is going to be on self-care. You know where to find me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at HeyYvette. That's at H-E-Y-E-V-E-T-T-E. Or just look for the hashtag Tweet Trends.